What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me, as always, is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, what is happening? We're getting close. We are getting, we're almost there. We're it's we're under two weeks away. It very soon. We only have we only have one Sunday without actual NFL games. And that means that we have reached while the NFL regular season is just around the corner, we have reached kind of the peak of a different season, and that's fantasy football draft season. That's right. It's fantasy football draft season. I mean, and I think it's getting to that point where it's now probably everybody's fantasy football draft is the most uh, most anticipated event that it, there is before the start of football season now that the Game of Thrones season finale is out of the way. And now that the third preseason game is over and the fourth preseason game is pretty much meaningless and none of the none of the starters or any key players play. So, look, if you're a football fan right now, uh, it's all about the fantasy draft for this next week or so. And then it's it's time to get real. Yeah. And we're going to have real, actual NFL football. And, you know. I, I think we've talked about that before, how, you know, Major League Baseball opening day is great because it's, you know, it's the season is starting, it's the beginning of spring, whatever. But that first NFL Sunday is, I mean, it's like Christmas morning because you wake up and you know that it's football all day and it's going to be that way for every Sunday until the end of the year. So uh, it's ex- it's an exciting time, but... Before we get there, we do need to take a look back at the all-important third preseason game. The Dolphins fell 38-31 to to the Philadelphia Eagles, but uh, there were some things to take away from the game, some things that were pretty good, some things less so. So, uh, Brain, give us your takes coming out of the uh, big third preseason game for your Miami football Dolphins. Well, first and foremost, the most important thing to come out of this game is that there was no significant injury. Which, which, which with, for this team and this preseason is a Christmas miracle. Exactly. And, and on top of that, not only were there no key injuries, but you had key players making their preseason debuts. And so you really got a good look uh, at what this team will look like at least the first team offense and the first team defense, um, what the rotations are going to look like. And this first team offense could be a lot of fun. Could be a lot of fun to watch. They're going to score some points. They are going to score some points. And I mean, listen, we're going to see the Devante Parker show this year. It's happening. Yeah, well, I mean, not only does Devontae Parker look great, but Jay Cutler loves the guy. And Jay Cutler, in his career, has been one of these guys that, whether it was when he was in Denver with Brandon Marshall or in Chicago with Brandon Marshall or then in Chicago with only Alshon Jeffrey, he is a guy that likes to lock on to a favorite receiver. And he loves a big play guy and a big size receiver. And that's exactly what 
Devontae Parker is. And what we've seen in the two preseason games, the you know, the one or two drives that he had in the second preseason game and the first half of this third preseason game is that he is going to throw the ball to Devontae Parker. He's going to look Devontae Parker's way when Devontae Parker is going downfield. And he's going to give this guy the chances to go and make a play. And that's that's what you want out of a guy that, was drafted, what, eighth overall, has the size and the speed to be an absolute elite wide receiver. So when this guy's being covered one-on-one by just about any corner in the league, you know, the guy is open. It doesn't matter if he's covered stride for stride because he's so big. He's got such long arms. He can jump so high. You can even underthrow the ball slightly like Jay Cutler did to him on that on that long pass play. You can right. even slightly underthrow him and he's going to make that play. Well, you know what's great about what you've seen with Jay Cutler in this first, you know, I guess what is it? It's been like six drives, I guess. Six, seven yeah, drives six that drives, he's had. I believe. Yeah. Tell when us what has been the, so great. When, well, when he throws the ball downfield, he slightly underthrows it as opposed to overthrows it, which does not give your wide receiver a chance to make the catch. He gives his guy a chance to make the catch. Well, and let's let's not go too crazy celebrating the fact that he underthrows the ball sometimes. Well, well, sometimes it's on purpose because sometimes he's throwing the back shoulder throw. But look, when you've got a guy that's that big, you want to give him a chance to make a play on the ball. The worst thing that you can do when he's in man coverage, I guess the worst thing you could do is you could throw an interception. But other than that, the worst thing you can do is throw it in a ch- in a spot where he, you're just not giving him a chance because you're overthrowing him. You underthrow it a little bit and you give the guy a chance to at least make a play on the ball. And what Devontae Parker has showed so far in this preseason and in training camp and practice is that you give him the chance to go up and get it and the dude goes up and gets it. And uh, you got to give Cutler a little bit of credit. Uh, he had a perfect, I mean, right on the money, 50-yard pass to uh, Kenny Stills in the end zone that drew a pass interference penalty. And, you know, that's one of those that's one of those plays that doesn't show up in the box score. But you watch the game and you see that you see a perfect pass. Jay Cutler finding Kenny Stills in the end zone. It, it makes you feel good about that Miami Dolphins offense. And, and let's not forget about Jay Ajayi. Who had, no, let's, who had a, let's a fantastic not forget about game. this beast. This beast of a running back of a running back, Jay Ajayi, five point one yards after contact per carry. Just those, and, and, and that's those are those are that's the good yards. That's including a couple of two yard touchdown runs. And that's, I mean, those are the good yards for a, a running back. You know, they can take that contact and not go down right away. And Ajayi has shown that toughness, and man, it's it's good to see him back up and running. Uh, didn't show, didn't seem to show any kinds of signs of uh, sluggishness. You know that that concussion is gone, and he was there, and he he looked fantastic. Um, and he's ready for Week One against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, I mean, the offense was was pretty good. The, the offensive line is still a makeshift unit, and there's. 
there's still question marks there. And, and we saw, uh, you know, the, the offensive line didn't have a perfect game. We saw a strip sack um, that was not Jay Cutler's fault. And, and we also saw Jay Cutler doing some dancing around in the pocket, stepping up. His pocket presence again was on display. Um, and I imagine we're going to be seeing quite a bit of that with this offensive line this season as it is still leaving quite a bit to be desired. Yeah, and it, one of the things going into this season that we really haven't talked about because we've talked about the offensive line, we've talked about the injury to Pouncey and whether or not uh, he's going to be ready for the regular season and he looks good to go. And we've talked about the the problems that they've had at guard and uh, Juwan James has been in and out of practice and this was his first preseason action the kind of the guy that we've kind of just assumed is going to be great is Laramie Tunsil and on that said strip sack it was Tunsil that was beat and it's just a reminder that while we all think that Laramie Tunsil is going to be a great left tackle and he may very well be and all the signs and and everything coming out of camp and everything coming from the coaches and everything coming from, you know, the way that this guy was scouted coming out of college would say that this guy is going to be a franchise left tackle, but he hasn't done it. I mean, he, he played a handful of games at left tackle last year when Brandon Albert was hurt and played well, but we have yet to see a full season of Laramie Tunsil playing left tackle at a Pro Bowl level. So while we feel good about him in that position going forward, it shouldn't just be assumed that we have this franchise left tackle that we think that we have. Uh, And that was a good reminder that, you know, maybe he's not all there yet. Uh, and, And that's something to keep an eye on. Speaking of not all there yet, the Dolphins secondary was a hot mess in that game against the Eagles. And it and it wasn't just the first unit, the 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 second unit, the backups, everybody. It just that that they're not all on the same page yet. And uh, it's a worrying thing to see how that how that defense was getting torched uh by uh, Carson Wentz on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, obviously they gave up the big play to Torrey Smith, and and that's the one that everybody you know is focusing on. The truth about that one was that that was a blown coverage, and it was a it was a miscommunication between between Byron Maxwell and between Byron Maxwell and Rashad Jones. And those are two guys that you're not really going to worry about. Um, I still think the, the first team secondary, this is still, I think it's a solid group. Uh, They may not have a number one corner, but between Maxwell and Howard, I think they've got a couple of solid corners, and then you've got a guy in Werner that can play in the slot. The thing that we don't know is how good Cordry Tankersley is. 
you know, he's a rookie and he has struggled at times. He's he's flashed a couple of big plays, but he's also struggled at times. And the microscope is kind of on him because while he came into the preseason as probably the fifth corner, once we signed Werner, you know, behind Howard Maxwell and Werner and also Tony Lippett, once Lippett went out, you know, now Tankersley is really the backup corner as far as being on the outside. Because Werner, you've seen it already and you've heard from all the coaches, the plan with him is to play him in the slot, to be that nickel corner, uh, to kind of take that role that, that Bobby McCain has had over the past couple of years and he has really been torched. And, and I think Werner is an upgrade there. But what you saw from Werner last year in Tampa and – what you're seeing the Dolphins kind of avoiding is they don't feel confident in playing Werner on the outside. So that's where Tankersley comes up big. So if God forbid the Dolphins have another injury to one of those corners, whether it's Howard or Maxwell, Tony Lippett, I mean, not Tony Lippett, Cordry Tankersley, the rookie will likely be thrust into a starting cornerback job. And it remains to be seen whether or not he can he can handle that, whether or not he's ready for that. But the defensive line, I mean, look, they're they're still struggling to stop the run, which is concerning. But I still I don't know that it's the defensive line as much as it is these linebackers. Ding 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 uh, ding ding ding. Especially, especially the middle linebacker. I just think Look, what we they went out, they signed Ray Malaluga. Yep. He he's battling with Mike Hull. It looks like Hull is still the starter and Malaluga is going to be backing him up. I don't think it matters which one of them starts because the fact that they're about the same guy tells you all you need to know that neither one of them is a difference maker. And what this team desperately needs from that middle linebacker position is a difference maker because Lawrence Timmons was all over the field and he looked great. Fantastic you game feel, for Lawrence Timmons. And you feel good about having Kiko Alonso on the weak side. But where is that middle linebacker? Where is that Zach Thomas presence that's going to come flying in, filling the gaps and making plays, not tackles four or five yards behind, you know, after a four or five yard gain you know, and being a good tackler, but who's going to be the guy to go through the lane and make the tackle at the line of scrimmage, to make a tackle for a loss, to make an actual big play, because that's what the Dolphins have been sorely missing from the linebacker position. We've got these defensive linemen that can penetrate, that can make big plays, that can get after the passer. We've even got defensive tackles that can occupy blockers and give the linebackers space to roam. But what we're not seeing are these linebackers crashing through the line and stopping the run for a one-yard gain, a two-yard gain, a one-yard loss, a no gain. Now, part of this, part of this is definitely personnel. It's Mike Hull is not that great. Ray Malaluga, not that great. Part of it 
And this is going this may get on a lot of Dolphin fans nerves this season is part of this is schematic. Part of this is with Matt Burke here as the defensive coordinator. Um, look, he they ran pretty much the same same defense under Vance Joseph last year. It's primarily a conservative pass defense. It's primarily let's let our front four get after it and let's drop the linebackers into coverage. Let's drop the the corners back, the safeties back, play a lot of two deep and keep everything in front. And what that means is if the running back gets behind that first level, the defensive line, those linebackers aren't going to make stops for one yard or two yard gains. They're probably going to turn into bigger five, six, seven yard gains. So it's, it's a combination of both because on the, on the one hand it's, it's schematic, but on the other hand, you still want your middle linebacker to be able to diagnose, react quickly when it is a run so that he can still, even if he gets a delayed start, even if his inclination is to drop back in coverage, that he can diagnose that it's a run and quickly attack the line, stuff the hole and make the tackle before it's a four or five or six yard game. So I guess the question then that I have for you here, Brain, is because this is this is clearly not something that the Dolphins can can address internally at this at this point. So is this a situation where you think the Dolphins are going to be looking to to make a pickup off the waiver wire, or is this some a situation where they might find themselves wanting to make a trade of some sort? to try to bolster that middle linebacker position. Yeah, I mean, it could be, but there's just not very much out there. I mean, look, there's going to be some cuts, but there aren't teams that are just cutting starting quality middle linebackers. It's just it's just not something that's going to be out there. Now whether you can you can maybe make a trade with a team that maybe you know, doesn't plan on competing this year and and has a middle linebacker. I don't know what team and what player necessarily fits that bill. And I don't know what they're looking for back in a trade. I definitely think the Dolphins need to be on the lookout for it. And they need to keep all options open. They need to keep eyes and ears open for whatever's out there. I just don't know that there's a lot out there. And I just think, look, this team went 10 and 6 last year. The defense was horrible over the last month of the season, it's true, but it was serviceable for the first I would say 2 thirds of the season, if not 3 quarters of the season, and it was very opportunistic. And you feel like you've gotten better and deeper on the D-line, better and deeper in the secondary. And the linebackers you couldn't get much worse than they were last year and if Timmons plays the way that he has played in this preseason and you have Alonzo at his more natural position on the weak side, then you can make the argument that the linebackers should be better this year also. So as long as the defense can be somewhat better than it was last year, the way this offense looks, 
the Dolphins have a chance to be a pretty good team. And they have made no bones about their expectations are to get back into the playoffs and and try to get further than they did last year. I think that's why they went out and re-signed Kenny Stills. It's why they made the trade to bring in Julius Thomas. It's why when Ryan Tannehill got hurt, they wasted no time in trying to bring in Jay Cutler because they want to win. They want to win this year. They're not one of these teams that is wishy-washy and saying, oh, well, we're building for the future. They're a team that's trying to win now. And you can make the argument as to whether or not that's the best strategy for them in the long term, whether or not it was a great idea to to re-sign Kenny Stills to a big contract. But it is what it is, and they've been consistent with it. And if they're they're going to win now, then if if something is out there, if there is a move to be made, then maybe they should do it. But, you know, the, it's one thing to be trying to win now, and it's another thing to mortgage the future. And what you don't want to see this team do, because while they may be a playoff team, and they're certainly a team – Provided they don't suffer any more key injuries, uh, they're certainly one of the teams that will be vying for the playoffs, uh, in my opinion, uh, even if they don't make it. It's hard to say that they're really close to anything significant. It, no, they're clearly, absolutely not. They're clearly not as good as New England. Uh, I don't think that they've made the improvements to really be as good as a team like Pittsburgh. I think there are a couple of teams that underperformed last year, whether it was because of schedule or injuries or just some bad luck that I think will bounce back this year. Your, your Denver's and your Cincinnati's that are out there. And so even the most positive dolphin fan has to concede that the odds of them being even a top four team in the AFC. And I'm not even talking top four seed because they're clearly not going to be a top four seed because they're not going to win the division. But even the odds of them being a top four team in the AFC are not very good. No. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. It's the, the AFC is not a very good conference from, you know, when you really look at it. But, but the fact of the matter is the Dolphins probably have the steepest climb of all the teams that are really, you know, there's probably... I don't know. I'd probably say maybe up to ten to twelve teams in the AFC that are that are looking at playoff spots. Maybe even more than that. Maybe up to fourteen teams that are I'd looking say, at playoffs. I'd say pretty much, pretty, pretty much, much every everybody in the AFC besides Buffalo and the Jets. Um, and probably Cleveland. Yeah, and Cleveland. So everybody else in the AFC is looking at you know battling for five playoff spots. Um, the problem with the problem with the Dolphins is they're battling for one of two playoff spots because it's extraordinarily unlikely that they're going to win the AFC East. Um, so regardless of you know, and we've we've said this before, the Dolphins could go eleven and five and still find themselves needing to win a game on the road in order to get to the second round of the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's true, but if, if, I mean, let's be honest. But if the if Dolphins win eleven and five, we're 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 over the moon. Yeah, we're feeling pretty good if they're following up a 10 and 6 
and then playing a tougher schedule and having the injuries that they've sustained already and then go 11 and five, we're feeling really good about this team going forward. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens, but as we, as we approach this final preseason game, there, there's still some spots to be filled, but they're largely uh, just looking at solidifying backup roles. And uh, those guys, you know, towards the bottom of that 53-man roster, they're looking at solidifying those positions. Um, I mean, one of the sort of intriguing questions is, as we get to the end of the preseason here, is what what is going to happen with Jarvis Landry? Um, there has been talk this week that maybe the Dolphins were interested in shopping Jarvis Landry. Uh, now, as we record this on a Monday evening, Adam Gase has since come out and said, no, we are not trading Jarvis Landry. It's absolutely not going to happen. So Confirmed, seems, traded tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that might be the case. But it seems like he's going to be sticking around. That's really a big question for the Dolphins. And, and you know, I, I doubt there really is. They're not in a position to pay him right now. Um, so and then, you know, they're almost not really in a position to franchise him next season. So it's it's an interesting position that the Dolphins find themselves in in regards to Jarvis Landry here, Brain. So let's quickly uh, give us your thoughts on this Jarvis Landry situation. Jarvis Landry, over the last three years, has been clearly the Dolphins' best receiver. And he's been one of the argu- arguably a top 10 receiver in the NFL, at least over the last two years. And he wants to be paid like a top 10 receiver. And he has a point. The problem with this is that while he may be a top 10 receiver at and, and may be arguably the best at what he does, which is basically, you know, that slot possession receiver run after catch guy. He may be the best in the business at that. And he's got the receptions to to back that up. More receptions in the first three years of his career than any receiver in NFL history. That's, That's astounding. But what he doesn't have are touchdowns. And he has never been this guy that has been a big play guy, you know, a downfield threat. He's quicker than he is fast, and he's not the kind of guy that you can just throw the ball up to when he's covered and he'll go and get it. He's not the kind of guy that you could throw a fade route to in the corner of the end zone and he'll go up and get it. And in addition to that, they went out and they drafted Devontae Parker a couple of years ago. And while he hasn't done a whole lot in the first two years of his career, and whether or not that's injuries or his own uh, lack of professionalism or work ethic, he seems to be putting it together this preseason. And if Devontae Parker has the breakout that all of the Dolphin fans are hoping for, and many of us are now expecting, Jarvis Landry is is, whether you like to admit it or not, the second best receiver on this football team. This is further complicated by the fact that the third best receiver on this football team just signed a four-year, $32 million contract. Now, 
the way that I see it, Kenny Stills' contract is only guaranteed for two years. Devontae Parker still has this year and next year on his rookie on his rookie deal where he's making less than $2 million per year. So it's entirely possible that Devontae Parker could have a big year. Jarvis Landry could have a big year. Kenny Stills could have a down year. Or, or Kenny Stills could have a great year. That could, that could happen too, regard, kind of regardless of what Kenny Stills does. The Dolphins could conceivably franchise Jarvis Landry. And while it might kind of hamstring them in other areas of cap space, because uh, he'll be making upwards of about, you know, 13, 14 million dollars next season uh, if they do franchise him. It buys them a year to where they could cut stills after the second year of the contract and then give Jarvis Landry the big contract extension. But here's the worst case scenario, which is actually might be the best case scenario. Devontae Parker could have a monster year this year. And if Devontae Parker has a monster year this year, and we're talking about a guy with history of foot and leg injuries, he could hold out. And next year, you could be faced with the decision of, do you pay Devontae Parker to get him into camp, to give him the contract extension, to to keep that relationship you know, good and amicable. Or do you play hardball with him and give Jarvis Landry the contract that he wants? And it could get really dicey. And the good thing about it is that Jarvis Landry has been an absolute professional through this whole process this offseason. And really starting at the end of last year when the the talk started to heat up about how he wanted to be uh, paid because he was going into really the final year of his rookie deal. And everybody knew, look, this is a guy that's going to need like a at least 12 million a year, somewhere in the 12 to 14 million a year range. Um, he has never missed a workout. He's not held out. He's not cried uh, in the media. He said nothing but the right thing. Um, and he's, he's basically said his focus is on football and his agent came out, uh, about two or three weeks ago and basically said, look, uh, the contract negotiations are ongoing, but right now we're not really close. And if a deal isn't worked out by the start of the season, we're just going to table the negotiations because we want the focus to be on football. And that's great news for the Dolphins this season. But it's it could blow up in their faces by the end of it, and it's going to be something that kind of hangs over the franchise. Look, there's two things that are going to be hanging over this franchise the entire year, every single time the Dolphins have the ball. And that's going to be Jay Cutler versus Ryan Tannehill, and whether or not Jarvis Landry should be paid a big contract by the Dolphins. 
And it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch it play out, but it's also going to be kind of scary to see how it plays out. And and really, that's all it is is we, we got to see how it plays out. And that we will in just under two weeks. Brain, it's time for this week in Dolphins history. Are you ready? Let's see. Uh, yeah what what happened this week in Dolphins history? Well, it's not. It's not exactly the happiest of uh, this week in Dolphins history. It just, it's, I think, kind of resonant and uh, poignant given what is going on uh, in Texas right now. But this week in Dolphins history, in 1992, Hurricane Andrew struck South Florida and 20 Miami Dolphins, among them rookie cornerback Troy Vincent, and uh, fullback Tony Page rode out the hurricane inside Joe Robbie Stadium. Uh, but that's not really the, the the story. The story doesn't really end there. The, the, the fact is that while Joe Robbie Stadium uh, and the Dolphins players and coaches weren't really affected by the storm because they all lived further up north from where the storm really hit in South Dade, um, the the hurricane, the Miami Dolphins players and staff were instrumental in helping South Florida recover from this catastrophic weather event. And this Dolphins team, I mean, it affected them on a football level too. Uh, the Dolphins were supposed to open the season at home in a game against the New England Patriots, but the the stadium wasn't ready, South Florida wasn't ready, the infrastructure wasn't ready, so they they postponed the game. They moved the game to Week Seven, which was going to be the Dolphins' bye week. Uh, so instead, so the Dolphins opened the season with a bye, and then played sixteen games in a row. And this nineteen ninety two Dolphins team went on to be eleven and five win the AFC East uh, and host the AFC championship game where they lost famously to the Buffalo Bills. Um, but this was a, this was a, a team that came together and helped the community. Um, and I think that is something that we are probably going to see happen with the Houston Texans and, and that city of Houston that has been ravaged by hurricane Harvey. And uh, you know, so our thoughts are with the people of Houston, and we hope that everybody will send more than just thoughts. Do what you can to help these people. I don't know if we have any listeners down in Houston, but uh, there are numerous uh, charities that you can go to. Check out Heart to Heart International. They're at hearttoheart.org. You can uh, go to them to help them. Uh, you can make donations. You can volunteer. You can find ways to help out, um, which is really you know what you have to do when you have events like that. When you have tough things, tough tough situations such as this hurricane that is, I mean, millions of people are displaced right now and may lose their home and and everything that they own um, could be washed away. Except many people have lost lost their lives, and who knows what that number is going to look like when all is said and done. But you know, not to end the show on a down note, but the the, the key thing is that people come together and help. The Dolphins did it in nineteen ninety two with Hurricane Andrew, and I'm sure we're going to see the same thing with the Houston Texans this year as they uh, help out 
everybody that's been affected by uh, Hurricane Harvey down in Texas. And with that, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up for another edition of the same old Dolphin Show. Uh, next week, we're I think is going to be our final. Um, well, I guess, yeah, next week will will be our sort of final uh, one show week. We'll we'll do a sort of preseason wrap and a preview of the first regular season game, which is uh, going to be exciting. The regular season right around the the corner. It's football Christmas. It's coming. It's coming soon. It's less than two weeks away. So we'll preview that and then we'll uh, get on to our two shows a week schedule. We'll give you a show early in the week looking back at the week that was and looking ahead to the week to come. Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me as always on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And you can find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You should also be following the podcast at Same Old Dolphins. And uh, don't forget to give a follow to our friends in Bad Bruno. They they provide us with our fantastic punk rock version of the Miami Dolphins fight song. Uh, you can follow them at Bad Bruno Punk. Um, don't forget you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the Same Old Dolphin Show. We hope that you will leave us a review, a five-star review if possible. We'd really appreciate that. It helps other people find the show so we can create this big network of Miami Dolphin fans all across the country and the world supporting your Miami football Dolphins. Follow us on Spreaker. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap us up. So Brain, we'll see you next week. Everybody, we hope you'll enjoy the final preseason game. There are a lot of stories uh, to follow there as far as uh, the backups and, and, and the finding out who rounds out that 53-man roster. We'll cover all of that on the show next week. So uh, for Aaron the Brain, this is Josh. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Good luck on those fantasy drafts. Miami's got